0: Break 80. This guy's breaking. Yeah. Break
2: 80. A finish. Break 80. What in your life have you seen anything like that? Season two of the Break Eighty Podcast continues with episode thirty-seven and another absolute banger. We've got a jam-packed episode in store for everybody. I'm joined tonight with uh by Mike and Tim. Once again, they're gonna help me. Steer the ship in the right direction. How are we, boys?
3: Well, uh, I see Tim is uh, drinking some wine. Hopefully, it's from the south of France, as mine is, because my guy Victor Perez here uh, with 40 to 1 odds. Hold out a bunker shot with with backspin down the hill uh, to win me four grand in our pick segment. So, go, Victor. I'm at the Louvre. As you can you, see, uh, usually watching... the
1: French fold. So I was a little shocked.
3: <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube right now, uh, I'm just chilling with the patrons here at the Louvre. Uh, they they decided to dedicate the week to Victor Perez and the bunker shots. So they've removed the actual Mona Lisa and they went with a much more uh, beautiful image of a golf course somewhere in the Middle East. So I'm shocked. Who is the Frenchman that folded in the open years ago? John
1: Vandervelde. Oh, yeah. I was convinced there for a second. I I think it's going to happen again
3: in modern French golf. You have to be a Victor. Now, Victor Perez and Victor Dubuisson. I don't know of any other French golfers other than those two guys that are both named Victor.
2: Yeah. Victor Dubuisson has got some of the most largest swag I've ever seen. I I know he's not been doing much lately, but back in the day, that was a match play savant.
3: I met Sean Vandervelde, speaking of French golfers at uh, the the last year of the 3M senior open. He had a, just a, you talk about a savant cool-looking dress guy just a dope gigantic staff bag no logos on it. just old school like brown leather huge <laughs> and I, and he was putting by himself you know and i was talking to him. there's nobody around and i go what do you think of minnesota and he goes i like it it's nice i'm staying somewhere called lake elmo <laughs> Like, well, there's a lot of nice, nicer places to stay in Lake Yama, man, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> was that your French,
2: French accent there, Mike? Yeah, that,
3: that was pretty bad. <laughs> I got to hear that pretty again. Pretty bad. <laughs> All
2: right, well, here's our agenda. Um, you know, this week is Farmers Week, which for me, I think, means that golf's officially back. I think this is kind of when I start kind of salivating a little bit, you know, and energized, really wanting to watch the golf. Um, so we'll walk through Tory Pines a little bit. We'll discuss John Rahm's win from last week. Re- recap the pick segment, which we kind of touched on. Mike Mike picked a winner there. Set some more picks. And then the podcast is going to kind of set out to do this quest um, as we try to figure out if we can find a way to qualify for this, for this day state So we'll talk about that and what venues um, um, will be our options. And then we end the uh, podcast with an interview with Damon Hack. Uh, I think, you know, he's, he's from Golf Channels, Golf Today uh i think he's the national treasure i mean he oozes with passion for the game of golf naturally fun to listen to speak i mean that's part of what makes him really good at his job um short uh share some great stories so please if you uh if you don't want to listen to us yahoo's blabber at least you know at least get to the very end and, and listen to that interview because it's uh it's pretty good so a history all
3: right well, guy. history guys so we like him. He is a history guy. Yep. He's a history guy. Lots yeah, he he
2: he kinda discover he kinda goes through everything. Uh, you know, he's very well educated. He's he's been to some of the you know, best universities that you can probably um attend and very much a sports guy too. you know, he's got a really good background in sports, so talk he talks about that as well. So Well, let's talk about this quest to qualify. I think we'll start with that. Um I don't know if you if listeners know us personally, but if you've golfed with us at all, but we golf a lot. Um I would say Tim and I maybe a little bit more than Mike, but I would put Tim and I in the category of decent golfer. You know, you've got your two to 5 handicapish somewhere in there. I would probably put Mike into the category of good golfer, floats around scratch. Um, and the Minnesota State Am is an amateur tournament that brings together the best um, Am players in the state. They qua- try to qualify at different um, qualifying local sites and venues. So the, state, the sites are now up. So I thought we'd start by kind of going over what are some of the places you can qualify at, and then I want to ask you guys what uh, what venue or what golf course kind of suits your game the best. So here we go. Let me read through these. We've got Tips in my Mounds. I believe that's all like in like Elbow Lake area. Yeah, Elbow Lake area. Drive away out. Um, my backyard, Wild Marsh. We'll talk about that one. Pioneer Creek. I think that's kind of like in the Delano area. Tanner's Brook. Um, legacy down south is that fair? Fairbow. Fairbow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Blackberry Ridge, I believe that's by Sartell. Yep. Um, and Golf Club, I think that's another one. I'm not quite sure where that's located.
3: That is. Boy, was
1: Fairmont. I excited for a second. Fairmont.
2: Fairmont. Yeah, not quite interlocking I was mean, like,
1: wow,
3: one of these is not like the other. Yeah. You'd pay eighty, $80, to 80 bucks to play Interlaken. <laughs> it would be the mo- It would be the quickest signed up AM qualifier in the history of the state. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's everyone's playing out of one course this year even though they're um, closing they're shutting down for the whole for most of the summer
2: okay so we got loggers trail i think we can all speak on that when we've played that one gross national uh cloquet country club kind of a a, a nice little hit, hidden gem up north these guys have played it highland national and then the university of minnesota's course les Bolstead. so out of those sites which course do you think suits you the best and where do you think you're going to try to qualify out of
3: Mm, well, we know where Jeff's going to try because he he only plays a, a three-course routine at Monty, <laughs> Wellmarsh, and Annandale at Albion. Jeff is going to be uh, uh, trying to
1: proposition the Golf Association to include uh, Monticello Country Club.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I'll be honest. Like, we've talked about this. You know, I will say that I'm probably not – I mean, I – I probably should just sign up for Wild Marsh, but I what I will say is it's got it's a golf course that's got big numbers out there. Um in fact one of my recent attempts at qualifying at Wild Marsh was there. Actually qualifying the state man was at Wild Marsh and like it's just it was actually a tough day. It was windy, lots of big scores. I think seventy seven got you in and that's it's a par seventy one.
3: Crazy. Normally it's about even par. And and <laughs> no. I think
2: what was, the, the the part was when you got to kinda of aim in corner back there it was very windy and, and people did not get you know over the hazards you're reteeing from way back behind everything have to re-hit so that like, people were getting 8s 10 12s and it's like once you get one of those you almost just want to get off the golf course um i shot an 81 there and i thought it was a pretty good day of golf for me but not good enough obviously so what do you guys think
3: well Legacy would bring up good memories as I, I qualified for the state Am at Legacy uh my first time ever trying in a playoff uh which I so this is a kind of a good story if you haven't played Legacy in fairball it's got a dumb tree in the middle of a fairway on 18. Tim loves a good fairway tree. I know that it's a great it's a great tree <laughs> um I, I I don't remember a it's, lot. it's of not it. a
1: robust tree. it's a very skinny
3: tree. I don't remember a lot of Legacy, that round qualifying, but this was like 2016. It was the North Oak State Avenue where I just went fully jacked mode and shot a billion. But um, I think I shot like two under on the front, and then I double bogeyed to par three on the back, maybe, or something. I can't remember. But I was either one under or even par coming to 18. And 18 is like par four. There's like a little creek or something so you i i had never played there before this is the my first round player i didn't do a practice run or anything and this this old guy is in a group he's like 60 he's like oh man just you know you're fine make a bogey here and you're in i played in a million of these you're fine and uh so i hit an iron like a four end right to the middle of the fairway i'm like sweet i'm you know gonna have like 150 yards in. just get it up there and make a part and put your clubs in your car you're in and i get down there and there's a fucking giant tree in the middle of the fairway, so now you I got hit the like, tree from the tee. You can see know it. what you're getting into. This you can me. see it, but if you have not played there, you can see it. If you haven't played there, you don't realize that it's like in. You can see it, but it's like it is in play, like legit, like in the middle of the fairway. So now I'm hitting this like slappy cut eight iron around this giant tree. I made bogey, and I had to sit around for like two hours. I was in a playoff, and then we go to uh, the first hole, which is super like simple it's like 300 yards it's like i don't know it was a six for four playoff so i'm sitting there on the tee box it's me and this other guy who played for the golfers years ago we were the two old guys and four college golfers and it's a 300 yard hole. so i hit like i'm like okay make a par and you might even get in four spots for you know six for four and i hit an iron on the middle hit it on the green two putter par he does the same thing these other, like, stupid young college kids are hitting driver. One hits it out of bounds. Another one hits into the trouble. They're just all over the place. And I'm like, so this, I think his name is Mike also. So Mike and I both make par and walk off. And we we're, we're just walking back like, what? What just happened? What were those idiots doing? Like, one, you're just trying to make pars in advance. Like, what are you doing? So I got in, in a playoff. And then, like I said, shot a billion at North Oaks the second day. The first day it wasn't bad, but.
1: Yeah. So officially break 80 is recommending that you don't play the course that you're going to attempt to qualify
3: at. Um. Yeah. You just you go, got in. You just, yeah, go, just go, go blind. I think I've only tried three times. The other two times I failed. <laughs> so Why the only time I got in, there? I'm I'm yeah. 33% without it, without even knowing the golf course. Um. Yeah. I, I think looking at this list, there's a lot of tempting, tasty golf courses like. Bolstead Highland. Francis Gross, Logger's Trail, and Legacy, and probably even Tanner's Brook, and maybe Pioneer Creek, all around the Metro. And if the wind is, if it's not windy on those days, it's going to be pretty low scores. There's a lot of birdies there. It's a lot of wide open. That's what I'm looking for. Give me somewhere where I don't have to worry. That's why I, I like Wild Marsh. But I'm not going to go to a qualifier there and and have to squeeze irons into tight spots and play target golf the whole round. No, thank you. I'll, I'll pass on that one.
2: Yeah, it doesn't sound fun. Tim, what are you thinking?
1: Well, I mean, based on how Mike got in his first time, and this will be my my kind of first official return to competitive golf, other than doing some of the Twin Cities golf stuff and the match play and, and some scrambles here or there. Um, but I'm going to kind of take Mike's advice, I think, and go to somewhere where I've never played before. You know, just going Which blind. Be It'd be Pioneer. I still haven't played Pioneer Creek, and I understand it's pretty open. Uh I've got the photos up right now, but I think Mike has played it before.
3: Yeah, it's Uh, it's it's, not
1: particularly long, but it is, it's very open. So it it feels like a Tanner's Brook, is my impression of it.
3: It's got some quirky holes. Cloquet would be interesting because you and I, Tim and I, went up there for the podcast and we could at least, if if we didn't make it, they would treat us like celebrities that we would sit in there and drink beers and they, they they were all about the Break 80 podcast coming to Cloquet. It was pretty open too, minus the last. I think
1: there's a couple last holes that we want a little bit of revenge on on the back. But for the most part, there's a lot of places to miss.
3: Yeah, if you know uh, what to do, if you know what to do on those holes, you'd be fine. Yeah. Um, I, I think the actual and, and that's in that kind of format, you know, where you're worrying about stuff. Because the 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 original Ross holes are the ones that would be tougher because they're tighter with some trees and stuff. But you know, realistically, in, in those qualifiers, just make pars. You don't need to try to you don't have to hit driver just get tee shots in position and try to make pars and make some birdies here and there. And you, you know, and that's usually right around even par is good enough.
1: Which,
2: which is, you know, can be difficult for Tim and I. <laughs> yep.
3: Know. Yeah. It's a,
1: it's a pretty good score over just here. Just make
2: par, Tim. That's like, it's just, just make par.
3: Yeah. Easy. Eighteen yeah, I times. Just, if Tim and I if Tim, and I, if Tim and I, let's say we both not have the same place, Pioneer Creek and we got paired together in the same group. Cause they didn't know who we were, you know, it's a random pairing. And, uh, and let's say Tim was like even far on 18 hits a good T-shirt. I would be in his pocket <laughs> telling him you need to aim 60 yards right of the screen, 60 yards. Right. We know it's a stressful shot under the pressure. We, you know, oh, the yeah. heart the Oh, pull, that, bar, coming. that
1: ball is so far left. It's <laughs> increasing the tax burden on everyone. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Competitive golf is—I always like it's kind of a love-hate relationship. But like, it feels good to get the juices going. Like, it feels good. You got the, the nerves, but it's like still like if things don't go well, it's just it just kind of overbears you, and you just want to get out of the, get out of there and, it's and run a, and hide.
3: It's a different animal because you're make you got to make that three footer. You know, you're not you're not picking it up inside the grip. You got to sit there and, and and read it and make it and everything. So it's different. But stay down at Minneapolis Golf Club, so that's where it becomes be really fun. good. It becomes a really good deal. Like I think I don't know what the MGA is charging this year, but in the past, uh, I think the qualifier is like eighty or eighty-five dollars. Like I can remember a couple of years ago, I went to a qualifier at Creeks Bend and shot. I, not I don't think it was horrible. Like seventy-five did, didn't get in, and I, I I remember sitting there in the bar drinking beer and just like what the eighty dollars to play Creeks Bend and the <laughs> and I better get really drunk here and make this day worth it worthwhile. <laughs> because <laughs> i just paid 80 bucks to shoot to miss the cut at creek stand i think so, uh, anyways it, it will have I to follow pioneer,
1: along oh i was gonna say i think pioneer creek might be the winner for all of us here uh I, it finishes no matter no matter where you start number nine finishes at a, a par five and number 18 finishes at a par five
3: yeah they're not necessarily par fives you can go for in two though it's uh i'm trying to think there's it's kind of it's there's, kind of there's weird, water I mean, on nine and then it's a yeah, split fairway on 18. And one of the two is a weirder deal. I haven't been out there for years.
2: I think the key is like how kind of what you're saying. I think a key is going somewhere we have zero scar tissue. Like you just show up. Oh, that looks like a fun hole. I'll play that. I've never played there either. So I've i actually might make that decision. Play the old uh I I, I like
3: the, I like the idea. I, I would play a I would play a practice round. I like the idea of finding a golf course where you're comfortable off the tee everything else i think kind of falls into place from there if you're if you're like wild marsh is a good golf course but you you got to you, you swing kind of defensive on some of those holes 11 12 like two there's a lot of defensive golf swings out there you know where at some of these courses you can just let loose And if you miss it it's just that you punch it up by the green and try to get up and number par you don't have to worry about penalty strokes and all that stuff Are you playing your
1: practice round at one of these courses, like a real PGA practice round where you're dropping golf balls from different (laughs) shots and doing different putts? Or are you just going out and you're playing –
3: Oh, we're just going to drink How a many couple have you played practice beers. How many times have you, you played me? We're going to go out and drink beer and smoke, smoke some swishers, and I'm picking up putts from like five feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll make this one what just it counts. Just <laughs> them
1: from 10 feet.
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this one's good. I'm going to make this come. Maybe take a note or two in my – I did not play a practice round for the State AM that year either. I didn't have time. <laughs> I have a buddy who lives on North Oaks who gave me some notes. <laughs> that was about it.
1: So
2: – well it's on North
3: Oaks there's in course out of bounds everywhere oh look at this I got yeah. the fiance give me some uh live action extra wine here to get to go all so, right I'm almost let's, out over here let's uh your win.
2: speak let's do let's do a little Amex recap I know that uh well, you guys have a little sip of wine um Johnny Rom the old Spaniard um wins by one self-proclaimed putting contest is kind of what he's called this this tournament in the past versus the young Davis Thompson you know, backed up his win at Century. Um, Obviously, he's in, in beast mode as of late. I think he's got four wins in his last six starts going back. You know, uh, and then going back to actually, I, I saw this today. Um, this is from Datagolf. His last 10 starts, and this is according again to Datagolf. He has recorded the 11th best stretch of golf in terms of strokes gained since 2004. So, it would be like 10, 10 performances have beat that stretch of golf. And... Some of the guys, you know, names of that would be Tiger, DJ, Ernie, VJ, Jason Day. Well, these all rhyme. Furyk, Rory, Ricky, Goosen, and Phil are the names that have had a little bit better stretch, but not by much. So it's really good golf being played.
3: Here's his last seven tournaments, and I posted this on my Instagram the other day. T2nd, win, T4, win, T8, win, win. He's 134 under. In his last seven tournaments, he's a stud. I mean, there's no other way around. I, I still cannot. One of the great mysteries to me is what happened to him, like from the U.S. Open win up until, you know, whatever. Like, there's like a one-year period of time where he didn't compete, like in contention ever. Like, I don't get it. He's he so just good in
1: Mexico. He, he just won in won Mexico, the Mexico in a field you. with nobody,
3: yep. nobody playing in it. Like, yep. he didn't compete in any majors. Really, he was around in a couple. He's so good. He's so talented. I just, it, it, that year boggles my mind. I don't think it'll happen cool. again, but.
1: That's, that's when he had his kid, right? So he's probably sleep deprived. He did. The club, club, club pro
2: guy will say it's something to do with a kid or a wife. That's kind yeah. of Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: You bring your emotions out on the golf course, just like your PTSD, which is why we're all playing Pioneer Creek. <laughs> <laughs> you,
2: you know, Rom, Rom's known for, you know, that short swing, you know, do his club foot. You know, he's talked about that in interviews, but it's it's really i find it fascinating his swing and the reason why i say that is because i don't you know there is no transition it's like the quickest whip i've ever seen i don't know how he matches that up with everything else because it's like he gets it here and there's no pause you know a lot of teachers will say you know pause a little bit at the top let your body get ready for the transition and the downswing it's just you know i can't even tell you know he's, he's a very good player his swing when he says he's hitting a draw versus a fade i i I really can't tell a difference when a lot of the golfers, you can tell they hold off something or they're trying to turn something over. His golf swing is so inconsistent consistent that it looks the same when every single shot he hits.
1: It I'd probably, say him and him and Fina look, look similar in kind of that really compact partial swing. Although Rom gets all the way back to parallel. You it really got to uh, slow it down.
3: It probably benefits him because he is without a doubt a top couple driver of the golf ball on tour, but he doesn't, what can go wrong in that golf swing. that could be, they can go that wrong. Not a, not a lot. It's so compact. You know, some of these guys with long loopy fluid, you know, golf swings, there's a lot of time for, a, for something to go off. He doesn't have much time in that golf swing for it to be bad. And he's probably, he might be the best driver of the golf ball in the world. It, it's possible.
2: What is it like? It seems like it's every time, like a little eight yard fade, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean,
3: Yep. It's, unbelie- it's unbelievable.
2: Basically eliminates most of the left trouble and kind of bring peels it off of a bunker peels it off of a you know the rough or something peels it off of some something he's looking at you know in the background and pretty much hits fairways.
3: Yeah, I don't yeah, there's not I don't know what I don't I don't know that he's such a big strong guy, you know, he's th- thick in the legs in the midsection. He he can he can do have that compact Powerful golf swing and it's super repeatable. And it's he's he probably is the best driver of the golf ball. I bet you if you if you ask tour pros who's the best, if you take distance and accuracy into play, they probably vote him.
2: I'd say they'd still they probably still say yeah. him or him or well, Rory. They, yeah.
3: I think they drool over Rory's swing. But look at look at Rory. Look, Rory can get really wayward sometimes when he's on, he's on. Ram yeah, is I've, always on. Rahm is always on with the driver. He's just ripping that thing. He he gets a little wayward with other stuff.
2: I, I agree. I I mean, I when you when you look at you know the overall arching of yes, but I think if a lot of people look at the 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 power and accuracy of Rory, how he's able to do that with twenty more yards, you know, kind of a thing. So yeah, well,
3: if you're teaching somebody a golf swing, like Tiger Tiger tells Charlie, not don't swing like me, swing like Rory. You're teaching everybody. Like when we were at the when we are at the three M, like Sam Ryder's, like everybody's all the tour players are coming over Rory's swing all the time. You know, it's like, that's the golf swing.
2: Yeah. And, and you know what? I think he's pretty much on, you know, underrated putter too. I think he's a John Rom is a very good putter. It seems like a lot of times he, he misses them. But at the end of the day, when you look at the stats, he's, you know, positive in strokes gained and makes more I, than he misses.
3: I don't know. I don't, I don't know what happened in that year. I I I would, I I would, without looking at data, I would, I would venture a guess that maybe his iron play isn't as good or wasn't as good as, as the tour. I don't know. It's, it's, it's mind boggling.
2: I mean, he's making more birdies than, than pars, it seems like at this point. So I don't know. Anyways, I, 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 it'd be interesting to see if you can keep it going. I know, you know, we had Scheffler on a, on a heater like this as well, you know, going back to last year a little bit, kind of got hot in that four or six tournament range. Um, so I don't know. We'll see if he can keep it going. Obviously this week, he's the biggest favorite, heavy favorite, won a lot at Tory. won the U S open at Tory. Won, you know, so I don't, know. we'll see how he handles it. Um, very well-spoken man. I mean, he speaks better English vocabulary than me. I, I talk to 10 year olds all day, so I've got no vocabulary. Kind of uh, like I, 10.
3: My vocabulary. I, I keep in my head the things I want to say. All day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, other th- things to note, uh, you know, one, one topic of debate, which is which was, you know, on social media was this, this young Davis Thompson that he competed with, you know, down the stretch, him and Rom going back and forth. Um, on 17 has this long uh, birdie putt on the Alcatraz hole and ends up hitting the stick and going out. So it's been up for debate. Um, I'll share you in my opinion later. I'd like to hear what you guys are thoughts on that whole scenario.
3: Go ahead, Tim. Well, I mean, the
1: Golf Digest just came out with with an article today on the, the heels of our podcast, right, uh, about how pulling the pin out is supposed to help you 99.9% of the time. Um, personally, I don't mind either way. There's been very few times where I felt as though it's really rattled out, mainly because I'm missing the cup significantly right or left, uh, coming up short or going three or four feet by. Uh, so it hasn't been much of a factor in, in many of my putts, but, uh, and then you got Mike giving you every four and a half footer
3: under the sun when you play with him. Yeah. It's from the game. It's from the yeah. game. golf, hey, gentlemen. I don't know you I've watched that putt a, a few times. It isn't like it had that much speed on it. It was, it kind of glad it was awful. Like the left side of the pin, it didn't hit directly dead center. I I don't know if it would have went in or not. It's hard to say.
2: But that's why it did. Yeah. Well. Yeah, it didn't go in because it hit the left side of the pin. Yeah.
3: If if that putt hits dead center, it goes straight down. It didn't have that much. It didn't have that much speed in it. Now, in the old school rules, when when you're tending the pin, you pull it. I'm inclined to say that might go in. It it did. I don't know. It's it's one of those things. But it's what's interesting about is it's. I think it's the first time where that rule has really come into, into play, you know, where it's, where it's affected, possibly affected a golf tournament. Cause I think he would have been tied with Rom going to 18. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Yeah, and they both par 18.
3: Yeah. So I don't know. I
2: can I can see why he kept it in. It was a, it was a huge leg putt. I mean, I don't know how many yeah, he was was miles was away. He was, he was miles, miles away. away. I mean, yeah. the last thing in your mind is, Oh, this is going to, you know, you're trying to two putt there. Are you not? I mean, for the most part, I mean, I I would think you are not trying to jar one in from that from that distance and hopefully play your cards on eighteen and try to either have Rom bogey because eighteen is a very difficult hole. So if he can just par there, Rom could potentially bogey eighteen. He could potentially par or or make birdie, whatever it might be. Um, I don't know. It just seemed like it was kind of an unlucky deal. I know he's going to get you know kind of ripped for having the pin in, but really, it wasn't like it, in my opinion was a bad decision on his part.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I think. So, um Go ahead, Tim. I'm going to say, so Gulf,
1: Gulf Digest study, Tom Mace, professor at California Polytech State University. This is the words coming directly from this article. His research on value of leaving the flagstick in was precise, painstaking, and perfectly clear. His findings uh, upend the conventional wisdom that the flagstick in is some sort of backstop, gathering wayward putts back into the hole. Uh, the fact that of his studies, suggests the opposite, that the flagstick does much, much more to hurt your chances of a putt going in rather than help turn a bad putt into a made one. And they've got a bunch of diagrams out here, like vectors on force and it careening off of the the flagstick to help it actually have more force coming out of the the cup. It's really interesting physics uh, that they have here. Um, So worth, worth a read, especially if you're you're an engineer or have any math background, but a really cool study suggesting that you should, in fact, pull the pen. Now, personally, I like speed of play more than anything else. Uh, So I'm inclined to, to not pull out, but.
3: (laughs) You guys got to do what guys got to (laughs) do, you know, Um, you know, you know, I would say what was the most, what was, (laughs) what was the most, um, Telling to me about John Ramos, I don't think he won with his A game. He did not, if you look, he did not make like a lot of feats of feet of putts. He didn't putt that great on Sunday. He missed a lot of putts that could possibly be made. So he, he won that with like his B game or something or C game, which is how talented he really is. Round um, three was solid though, right? He was taking yeah.
1: putts all over the place around well, three. three dude. I'm
3: talking about Sunday. Um he even said that he didn't putt as well as he you know. Well that's yeah
2: should. that's some of the best players in the world. I mean their A game is blows yeah. people away, their B game beats majority of people, their C game could still hang. I mean that's just kinda of the way there are. A couple other names to notice. Xander bounces back, he had the back injury at the century, takes third, you have a sweet albatross. I can yeah. relate to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> our boy Van Royen took yeah, sixth, Minas- Minnesota Joe boy. Lopers. Shouldn't say he's from Minnesota, but he went to Minnesota, so that was. Oh, did you
1: see? Did you see what they said about his outfit,
2: though? Oh, he had the purple pants, didn't he? They didn't like the joggers.
1: But his joggers, I love a good pair of joggers, and he's—they were telling me looked like a Confederate soldier.
2: It looked like to me like a (laughs) nice glass of wine, like a nice red wine.
1: Well, that's yeah. I think that what the Confederate pants there for a while were were kind of like this wine-colored. So uh, not yeah. a not a great comment from uh, the the khaki golfer Instagram page, but pretty funny.
2: I don't think he really cares, to be honest.
3: Uh, I think if uh, if you're getting paid, what Grayson's probably paying him, it does not fucking matter. He just puts something on.
2: Not to mention, he just he's been still rocking that mustache. I mean, he has not gotten rid of that thing. So whatever he's whatever he's got it for, there's a re- there must be some reason. I don't know if his his lady likes it or what, but
3: she's from Woodbury. She's the one of us. Oh really? I- yeah, his wife's from Woodbury. Uh, and that was a big win for Eric, or a big, not win, but T6. He'd kind of, you know, two years ago, or was it two years ago or three years ago, he had that big run where he made it into the top 50 in the world. And then last year was a pretty quiet year for him. Um, so that was that was nice to see Eric uh, back up there, because Eric's really good. Remember, remember the year Molinari won the British Open? Yeah. Eric was the leader after... He was yeah, in the group of Tiger, I think, wasn't he, or something like that. He was, he was right up there, you know, at the very top of the leaderboards. He can really play, uh, you know. So that's good to see him back up there.
2: And I want to say that back then he was doing a lot more European golf. I don't think he was doing a lot of American PGA. Yeah, not tour as stuff. much.
3: Not as much. Well,
2: well let's get to the uh, the Farmers Preview here. The PGA Tour is going to be in beautiful La Jolla, California, Homotory Pines North and South Course, place where a lot of history has happened. Think of the 2008 Tiger Woods, you know, winning in the playoff there, the U.S. Open, with including, I think, seven other wins he's won there. So it's basically the house that uh, the Tiger built. John Rahm won a major there in exciting fashion. Mike, I know you've played at least one of the North or South courses. Anything you want to point out about the course?
3: Yeah, I've played the South course. This was, oh, God, 2006. But this is a big boy golf course now. You know, you kind of go through this run of the Sentry, the Sony, and the American Express, where the scores are twenty some under par. I posted a a question on Instagram today: Would you rather see uh, low scores or a tough golf course? And still, right now, I just checked; one hundred percent of the replies were tougher golf course. You know, and that's where I'm at. You know, I, the North course is easier, but the South is a beast. The South is. 7765 yards uh for this event. They they beefed it up for the open. I played there in 2006, and it was not to be honest, it's it was kind of uh I, I thought a little overrated, but they've they've done a lot of renovating. I don't know what I think Tim, you might know is it Gil Hans the okay, Who did the renovation of Tori? Maybe Gil I know Gil the Hans, original
1: designer was what Reese Jones, but
3: yeah, they renovated, they've added a ton of bunkers like the when when Rom. When the U.S. Open there, I didn't even recognize a lot of the, like, the bunker rig and stuff. But so so in 2006, when I was there, just by chance for, like, with a family member who was there for business, I have a relative that lives in San Diego. I went out. I got dropped off at the golf course to try to get it on. I didn't have clubs or anything to try to get on a uh, a Twilight rate. And, and my relative goes, give him my address. You get a better deal. So I got on. And I gave him the address of my relative of a County address from right there in San Diego. And the, the twilight green fee was $38 in 2006. So I think after I rented clubs, bought a glove, bought balls, bought a shirt, I might, I think I think I bought a flag. The total bill was like, I don't even remember 150, 170. It was something, it was way less than what the green fee is now. Um, At Torrey Pines but I don't remember that much I know I got paired with three guys from Ohio they were there with their ladies so they were all you know they wanted to play the tips and all this shit and I was like whatever and the first hole that goes out towards the Pacific I hit a good tee shot and we were playing from way back and I had like a full three air and into a par four I was like oh my god and I stuck one to three feet right on it and these guys like holy cow and then didn't even hit the hole in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even, did not even, like, did shocker, even shocker. <laughs> Missed a birdie putt.
2: And um, that's where the pencil grip started, folks. Yeah.
3: No, I think I was, I, I think I was left-hand low, and I don't, I can't remember, I've tried them all. I was probably left-hand low then, maybe conventional, Um, but yeah. Have you ever
1: tried practicing putting?
3: No, God, no, but okay. I think okay. was, sure. the quest for the, the quest for the, AM. maybe the quest to qualify. we'll practice here this next starting here in the winter but starts making everything um, yeah. so
1: on the on the two redesigns um one was reese jones he did a major redesign of both yep. courses uh the most recent was tom weiskopf
3: oh really so there's i think it's it's got cool holes one's pretty cool you go out you know on the south towards the ocean and then i think i is it three the little par three the kind of the picturesque hole you know, and then there's a couple other holes that run kind of along the cliffs, but other than that, they've added bunkering. A lot of holes just go like side by side, very bland kind of, you know, 18's kind of cool. It's the par five with the pond in front and all that, but it's, uh, they, they've made it better. Um, But to me, a little bit overrated. I've actually heard a lot of people say the North course is a better overall golf course. I, I have not played it. I don't know. I do know that for this tournament, if you want to win, Uh, You know they split the first two days. You play north, south, and there's there's a little bit of an aspect of the draw there, maybe with wind or whatever. But this week the weather's supposed to be good. If you want to win, you got to go low on the north course. The north course, the scores are, you know, you'll see a lot of you'll see guys shooting low 60s because that one plays like 7,200 yards, much easier than the south. The south's a beast. That's a legit. It's a the south's a legit major championship venue now that they've lengthened it and added fairway bunkers and all that stuff. So but it's cool. I mean it's a really neat location. You know, you're up on the cliff kind of over the Pacific Ocean and all that. Dude, La, Jolla, La, Jolla is,
2: La Jolla is legit. That's that place is yeah sick.
1: They're very just constrained with the land they had and where they could put holes. Um if you are in the area though, and these are peak peak numbers, peak rates, South course is going to run you around two seventy five. And the North Course is going to be 178, 180. Uh, so the North Course is cheaper. Oh my goodness, though, they're charging a $47 booking fee if you book anywhere from four days to 90 days out. So what they're saying is if you don't pretty much get a same day tea time, you have to pay us an extra 50 bucks per tea time to book these things. Yeah. Um, it's ridiculous. The, 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 now, the resident rate is still very good. Uh, eighty bucks. Yeah, so very reasonable. You're just what you're gonna want to do is is find a homeless man in San Diego. Shouldn't be hard. <laughs> uh, bring him with. Um, have him
3: buy one of the rounds, and then you play in his place.
2: We'll so. say the, the problem to me is you need an address.
3: <laughs> yeah, I will. I will tell you right now, if you are paying two seventy plus a forty seven dollar booking fee, and you're up to three hundred some dollars having played there now, again, it was before the renovations. It's not worth that. You, you get, you know, I'm going to pay that, Mike, you know, I'm going to pay it. I know you are, but you're going to, you get a few, you you get some good holes. There's some really neat holes. You're, you know, you're right on the ocean. uh, But it's a, it's a fairly blah kind of golf course. It's pretty bland to be honest.
1: There's a pretty good trip to be had out there though. So obviously not this upcoming week because you won't be able to get on Tory, but here in a couple of weeks, you're trying to get out of here. Um let me go back. Madeiras Golf Club is really close by, which is a, a public. Uh looks absolutely fantastic. And then Rams Hill is about That's an the hour. That's the value. And a half. That's
3: the value down
1: there. You got to drive away. Yeah. But... You gotta and, you gotta get out, you gotta pay for your seven dollar gas to get out of the city. But once you get to Rams, it's supposed to be absolutely amazing. And then uh, and then you can
3: always the, head north. There's the Goat Hill, uh Goat Hill Park, the nine holer that, that Link Soul does all their stuff at. That's one of the big like you guys play Winter Park. Goat Hill is like the West Coast version of that.
1: It looks a little bit more beat up. It doesn't it doesn't look like it's had the attention or the redesign that uh that Winter Park Nine had quite yeah, yet. It's possible. possible.
2: Well well, Mike, take us to the pick segment.
3: All right, here we go. We got uh, after week two, and my win. I'm closing in on Jeff here. Jeff with his Jeff had another uh, solid week, making six hundred dollars with his Sharma, whatever his name is, Sharma with his top uh, ten finish in Dubai at uh, at a thousand to one or plus one thousand. Jeff's got four thousand three hundred seventy eight, roughly. I Got 3,855 on the positive. Tim's coming up the rear at uh negative 191.76. So we're, we're almost in the to, black. We're going to the farmers. Uh, here's what we're doing this week we got winner, top five, top 20, and then winner in Dubai at the Dubai Desert Classic at the uh, Emirates Golf Club, which has maybe the best clubhouse in the world with the big Falcon River. The hell it is. Uh, let's see, let's go, let's go. From last place to first, Tim, who are you picking to win the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines? So I think uh, coming off of his
1: no-laying-up win, we just haven't seen the gameplay from him that I think he's due for. Uh, but that's going to be Justin Thomas. I just think he hits the ball long enough. I think if the win comes up, he can shot shape in both ways if if needed out there um and it's just been a long time since he's he's been at that number one spot so i think he's kind of due and his game look looked excellent uh when he was with the no lineup guys at at the plantation
3: course i only see one problem with this pick tim see jt is one of my two boys everybody listens to this every week knows that rory and jt are my two boys he just got married he could drop all the top fifty this year. It's possible his game could completely nosedive now that he's a newly married man. We'll see. Uh, I, I am- was
1: I was watching Rocky the other day. Women weaken legs. That's <laughs> that's a life lesson, there, folks.
3: Straight it's from true. straight from Rocky one. <laughs> I am in second place. I am going to go with a guy. He's a big game hunter, and this is a big game golf course. He actually had an eight-foot putt last year to win in regulation. He did happen to lose in the play, playoffs, so there might be a little scar tissue there. Plus, he had like a broken back or some bullshit. I don't know. But we're taking Will Zalatoris at plus 1,800. I uh, His form, he did shoot four rounds in the 60s last week at the uh, American Express. Uh, I'm not sure how his health is, but I do know that it's a tough golf course, and there are not many golfers in the world who play tough courses better than Will Zalatoris currently does.
2: Well, this is a, a a thing that you're trying to make money on, right? Are we trying to make money? We are trying so to you make you got to go down a little bit to make some money, and that's kind of what I've been doing that's been working so far. Now, at some point, yes, the favorites are going to win. I understand that. But we're trying to make money here. We're trying to make people money. This is a Justin Rose win, Team Rose this week. He's not playing the Hanma Clubs anymore. Is that how you say that? What kind of clubs did he used to play? the? Uh, Hanma. Hanma, yep, yeah. He's not playing Hanma. those anymore. He's back
3: to –
1: you know, the most he's expensive got some, golf clubs in the world. I know.
2: And he was awful once he went to those. But he's got four top tens there in his last five starts. Let me read that again. Four top tens in his last five starts, including a win in two
3: thousand nineteen. When they, at, at at Torrey Pines we talking? What, the farmers? Yeah, I was gonna say when what when were these starts? Because did they have to dust <laughs> off the sarcophagus to find Justin Rose's body?
0: Um when, when, the, He hasn't play played
2: consecutively. Year. No, he has not. But he he this is like I'm telling you, last year I know for the for I want to say coming down the back nine on um of Sunday, he was in it last year. Made one like back swing. Justin and, Rose. Yeah. But, yep, team Rose. And then uh you know, his his standards have been has been down. You know, he hasn't really been the player, though but he was once one number one in the world, and it's kind of like the Jason Day revitalization. They're both trying to find their games again and get back to you know a top twenty, top fifteen, top ten player in the world. I think he starts it this week, Justin. Wasn't it,
1: it was Justin Rose that walked off at Bay Hill at number number three, right? Just walked off the course at hole three after making a quadruple. Yes, had
2: enough. That's enough. Yeah, <laughs> yep.
1: So I. I when I played Bay Hill and I got a double, and I'm sitting there dropping across the other side of the lake from 200 yards, I'm thinking, ah, just just do better than Justin Rose.
3: <laughs> Plus six thousand. Plus six yeah, thousand. Yeah. If Justin <laughs> Rose wins this son of a bitch, Holy then we're Christ. in trouble, Tim. It's yeah. Is this what they say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Top five finish, Tim. Who you got? Top five.
1: Uh we're gonna we're gonna go down the odds a little bit. We're gonna try to. Try to do a Jeff here. Um, he's a SoCal native. And uh, San Diego State product. So he's, he's going to know the weather. He's going to know the course. Uh, he's done well here before. That's J.J. Lost
3: 1,000 in the top five. He has had a great start to the year with his untucked shirt. Absolutely fantastic start so far for J.J. Spawn.
1: We're really letting things go with the the untucked shirts now and the blade collars and the hoodies. and
3: Yeah. They can try to keep up with your tour, live, you know, where anything goes. Just wait for the, the cargo shorts.
1: <laughs> PJ's got to take a step ahead. Trucker hats and cargo shorts.
3: All right. I'm going to go top five. Jeff already mentioned him. We, we, this, is, this is a pick segment we're going back to, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago. Justin Rose to win for Jeff. I'm going top five. Jason Day, who has... He's probably, in the history of this golf tournament, one of the, obviously, Tigers dominated the most. Jason Day is a top five player in the history of this golf tournament, or roughly around there. He's won twice. it's a two-time winner. Last year, he was the 54-hole leader before finishing T3. He's in good form, T18 at the American Express. He is... uh, you know, it's a big golf course. It doesn't have terribly tough greens. He's strokes gained approach 10th, total driving 9th. And he's got a track record here. Jason Day, top five. Book it right now.
2: What are the odds that he WDs with the back injury? Are those pretty That's, good? Yeah, no no, shit. Both, they're both probably about guys. the
3: same as his top five, plus 450. <laughs> <laughs> um, both those actually, guys. if you
2: remember Get last backs. year, he, he coming down again, the back nine of the, Uh, of this tournament on on Sunday, he holds out, I think, to take the lead or to tie for the lead. And then I think he followed it up with a bow gear too. But uh, he was definitely in it. Um, I'm going to go with a guy, another kind of uh, a veteran here, um, has a great track record in his last five starts, has all top 25s or better, two runners up. Um, Can't say so much about his current form, but we're just going to rely on him getting to a good spot there, seeing the course in the vibes back and the feels back that's ryan palmer
3: the so big, the big slinger uh you know i'll do my top 20 before you tim i have ryan palmer's a top 20 because jeff's top five is plus 2200 ryan palmer like jeff said in the last five years five straight years his worst finish is t21 he loves this golf course he's really good there He's sneaky long. He's an old guy. What is he? Is he our age, Jeff? He's like 40. I would say And in his swing does
2: not look like he tries He's that. a man.
3: His his driving distance on tour is like is like 305 yards. He's sneaky long. He uh like I said, he loves the golf course. He's played really well there. So this is this is the actual solid pick. I actually thought about the same top five for Ryan Palmer. I took top twenty.
1: Ryan Palmer's forty six years old.
3: Yeah, he's old. Damn. And he's, he's, he loves And he's city. from Amarillo. Was, yeah, was, he was Ryan Texas the Palmer
1: the, uh, the idea of um,
3: Tin Cup? He's the great, yeah, he's the greatest picker of players for your course. The Zurich Classic, TBC, Louisiana ever. He's the guy that's loves picked, that like, place. he plays as the number one player in the world, like, three different times. Okay, Tim, top 20. Top 20. Uh, we're just going to keep it native. We're going to,
1: we're going to keep another Southern Californian on the, the roster here. The guy that has kind of sneaky distance, um, but I think he's uh, he's kind of due for a little bit better showing at this course than previously, and uh, that's Max Homa.
3: You're not gaining much here. It's no, I know. Like t- I get it. Plus one ten just... to top twenty.
1: Hey, that's it, it, what got me money on the last week, and I'm only down uh, hundred ninety bucks.
3: I'll be honest though, I actually thought about picking him to win. He has his track record here is terrible. I don't know why. He's missed four of six cuts. Um, but it should be good for him. He's a great driver of the golf ball. Maybe I think Rory's my favorite golf swing out there. But Max Homa's a beautiful golf swing. Great player. He's won like five times now. I think it should be perfect for him. I don't know what I don't know why it hasn't been. But
1: well, it's however many Fortinet challenges he's played, he has he's <laughs> he's has won great. big events.
3: He's but he's won last he's won big events now too. He's kind of he's oh no he's, yeah he's, no it just yeah. he's taken Let's... that step into the next level of golfer. Jeff Wells Fargo.
1: To- well, yeah, he won the Genesis, the yeah, Genesis for Fargo. Fargo. He wants some big and the Fortnite. So, he's he's a big fan of both the Fortnite and the Genesis. Put money on those.
3: So, he likes Northern California and Southern California. Yeah. Jeff, what do you got top 20? Uh, I am taking
2: uh Robbie Shelton to top 20. Uh heralded college player has not had the professional success that he probably uh was hoping to have, but he is showing some recent form. He finished 6th last week. Finished sixteenth in this tournament previously and 36th. So you could basically call this a lock. dude's gonna be who is, top 20 for sure? Who is Robbie Shelton? I
1: thought, you, I thought you picked a, a sponsor's
3: exemption. Robbie <laughs> Shelton, baby. He's a good player. His name sounds like a NASCAR driver, but he's a great golfer. <laughs> uh Robbie Shelton. So, all right. So now we gotta go to my uh my my territory here, the European tour, the DP World Tour uh tim who do you have to pick we're playing in dubai the dubai desert classic here at uh, emirates golf club
1: love this i first off wish that they would turn on the lights uh for the final round (laughs) i think it'd just be one of the coolest finishes kind of like what they did with the phil tiger match let them let them finish up a hole or two to win the thing in the dark i I think it would really kind of change the environment you could bring out a live concert stage and jason derulo and uh They could finish to one of the Jason Derulo songs, Um, but have to go with with someone that has nothing but complete and consistent. uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Do I
3: even get any points on this pick? Like you're you're, plus three hundred and fifty. It's a big. It's a big move when you're behind by four thousand dollars.
1: Yeah, I know. I
3: know. We're just small victories. Uh, (laughs) I'm going Rory. Way to go! Just, way to go on the favorite
1: by a mile. I'm I'm shocked they don't just keep your hundred dollars for that pick.
3: <laughs> Jeff, who are you taking at Dubai?
1: I'm just going to the guy who doesn't
2: have a lot of wins in in the PGA Tour, you know, realm of golf, but has been fairly successful in the European side. And uh, you know, he's a talented player, played on the Ryder Cup, good distance off the tee overall, can get very hot. Going with Thomas Peters, the German.
3: Thomas Peter, Belgian. Belgian. Oh, is he Belgian? Belgian. Okay, Belgian? Belgian? Well, he could be German, pretty quick. <laughs> speaking of uh speaking of European countries that used to be controlled by Germany, um <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move a little bit north here. Uh as I'm in the Louvre right now. I don't know what kind of museums they have up in Warsaw, but uh I'm gonna go with a guy who took I'd have to imagine the museums are pretty empty in They're probably pretty empty in Poland. <laughs> uh T4 last year he was ranked 172 in the world last year at that point and then this was his springboard he won twice after this he's up to number 51 in the world he's at plus 3300 Adrian marunk who uh has a he's a big tall guy great short game it's going to be windy there it always is he uh he, you know he's this is a, he, he's great here when you're in the wind, you're going to miss greens, even though they've, they've made this golf course. They used to have really small greens in, like, 88 when they built it. They've, like, increased the size by, like, what I read, to, like, 67%. So it's not as big of a deal. But great short game on Adrian Marunk. This is going to be my guy. We're just moving around Europe. We're just picking different Europeans, making our way around the continent here to win on the DP World Tour.
2: All right. Sounds good. So that's the pick segment. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we kind of introduce our um, interviewer?
3: Not on my end. Timmy?
1: No, other than uh, one one big caveat or takeaway from Phoenix, Scottsdale area, if you do go down uh, Auction, Southern Dunes, I can't say enough about this place. It was significantly less money than anywhere else that we played and in some of the best conditioning. Weco Paw obviously had great conditioning at the Corn Crenshaw course, but we paid $300 and some dollars for that tee time. Right up, right up, Mike's Street for reasonable prices for tea. You times. paid more
3: for Wicoa than you would at the old course. What a joke! What a freaking joke! The weather was beautiful, it was so
1: <laughs> so sunny out there. It's not a cloud in the sky. Oh, um, Auction Southern Dunes was 120 bucks though at at a peak time of the day, peak rates, and it's a Freddie Couples design, which I'd never played. You're gonna love this too, Mike. Felt a lot like a Fazio uh a lot of the bunkers were strategic aiming points they were double guarded front and back elevated greens runoff areas
3: uh no aerator fountains that's a a bonus freddie knows what he's doing more he's more about the uh
1: large golf course no large made up man-made structural items out there uh the water looked even though we're in the desert had a couple water features that look fairly natural with no aerators. so i figured I'd take a shout out to to that course just because if you are out there, would recommend it's a little bit of a drive, but uh, completely worth the $100 worth of savings you would get on I mean, anything like that in the Scottsdale area.
3: Before we move on, Jeff, we have to talk about the Mountain Shadows Arizona skins game that Tim played. Oh, yeah. In. So Tim and I played Mountain Shadows in August. The vibe is great. It's a par three course. It's in Paradise Valley, which is like the really posh kind of area of uh, phoenix scottsdale uh and tim tim went and played booked a tee time it's like how much did you pay for a a par three course tee time at this time of year in in perez valley
1: i want to say it was 110 and then we spent (laughs) then we spent another um probably another 30 on the skins because we just we just enrolled in the skins game
3: and this skins game is not like you know your hacker skins game. There's a whole bunch of like former corn fairy and like PGA tour players. The week before Tim played, DJ Trahan got second, and he has uh, like 11.8 million dollars in career winnings on the PGA tour. So Tim, how did how what was the experience like, and how did it go? I'm fascinated to hear this. So we actually we ended up playing with
1: uh, Brian Brian Moog, who's the one that won the overall contest and uh, at least the low score um, a gentleman named Matt Loringus, who I ended up talking to at the, the bar afterwards uh, who's was in a nine for two playoff at the Sony uh, and will be will be going through the steps to uh, to qualify for the waste management was out there with the most skins one uh, but as far as score Brian Moog one he was playing with his buddy who is on the Latin America tour And things weren't going to start heating up with that tour until March. So they're going to have some more games out there to be played. Uh, But it was really cool to to just be around guys that were still trying to to live the dream. That being said, the compression off of the club face was a little bit different from those guys uh, than my own irons. You could definitely hear a little bit of of difference in in just the ball coming off. And I was a full iron behind uh, most of the guys that we were playing with. that being said, the front was a little bit rough. No double bogeys, no big hooks like last time, Mike.
3: You'll you'll love that. That was a rough start uh, for you last time.
1: I I was playing off of the grass, all shots but one shot. So I thought that that was very much an improvement, Uh and no double bogeys. So I I don't believe that I made a double bogey out there. And on the back, I was even par going into eight, eighteen. So um, through eight holes, I was even on the back uh, with. Almost almost making a, a skin. We had two that actually were, were near hole-in-ones myself and the other guy I was playing with. Um, There's only three birdies on, three or four birdies on that whole total for the entirety of the day. So we would have been close to an elite group. But for the most part, um, thought I played pretty well. Didn't embarrass myself. I'm still trying to find if they posted the full score sheet for that yet just to see where I, I came up. Um, um, but so I shot a 63. Uh, the lowest score was a 49. So 13, 13 stroke difference.
3: So this guy 14 is stroke difference. Is he an older guy? Matt, Brian Moog. No young guy. How did, okay. So I'm looking up a different guy then. Um, yeah. The, so the golf course, Jeff and listeners, it's kind of a, it's not like a, the most routine par three golf course. There's some short holes, but the greens have all are crazy sloped a lot of spots, but then they have some legit, like what, like what are the 10, like 180 yard par threes, there's some legit length ones. And then the shorter ones have kind of crazy tier greens. And they're not, it's not like just, you know, flat boring golf. It's, it's a, it's a great setup. It's a super cool vibe, like a kind of like a sixties, seventies vibe. You know, I mean, if you're into paying 20 bucks for a transfusion afterwards, It's a, you'd be all about it.
1: (laughs) Here's what we figured out. The beers are only $4 and they, they, they don't tell tourists for a reason that there's such a disparity in the beer prices versus the mixed drink prices.
3: When I ordered paradise
1: Valley. So they, they assume you can afford it.
3: When I ordered those three mixed drinks for us this summer, we were there. I damn near fell off the stool when I, when they brought the bill to me, I was like, what is going on? (laughs) We
1: had, we had two doubles and it was 40 bucks.
3: Oh, my God. I paid 60 for our three mixed drinks.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things add up quick wow. out there.
2: It's not my style of golf, I'll tell you that right now.
1: <laughs> well, no, when the beers are 4 bucks, That's, better. That's better. It That's makes cool. it makes everything a little better. It uh, was super fun just to see those guys play. Um, not many greens missed, and everyone had a very consistent ball flight. So if, if one of the guys was hitting kind of a hard draw, he'd just stay with that. Um, one guy had a little bit of a cut. So it was it was interesting to see once they had their ball flight figured out, which was early on. Obviously, they didn't move away from it. They didn't try to hit anything different into a different hole uh, placement. Uh, they just a, stayed with what was consistent.
3: It's a pretty good follow on Instagram. It's a it's AZ Skins League. I know the only reason I thought, I heard about this I was out there in 2019 and I was sitting at Papago waiting to to get on the plane to fly back, and Joel Day, Joel Damon shows up in the Bar just so happens that's who I picked to win the American Express this week, and then he withdrew on Tuesday because he had a kid. Otherwise, I would have had the Daily Double this week and I'd be ahead probably. But, um, <laughs> but uh, they were playing the Vikings that night, and he had a Seahawks hat on, he's a Seahawks guy, and I was just talking to him. And then it ended up he was playing in this, they do like a Monday game at Papago, and I was like, well, he's gonna kill everybody. And he shot like 67th and he was in 15th place or something like that. There's a lot of golfers in Arizona and a lot of these miniature guys are there in the winter time, So they play this little tour of skins games. But if you look on Instagram, they post the scores. Tim's is probably on there at some point. No, Somebody's- I don't. So I don't, I don't see it.
1: I see last. So I see the, oh, really? um, the 10th, the 10th is on there, uh, but they don't have the full score from when I played.
3: Once in a while, if you, if you look on there and you see how good these guys really are, some people get it going at mountain shadows and it'll just be a whole shitload of twos, just like, a like six twos in a row, just two, two, two. I'm like, wow, this is insane that you're just hitting a wedge or a eight iron in every single time tight, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of good golfers out there. Well,
2: let's close it up with uh Damon hack. I mean, in my opinion, he's one of the best people in golf. I mean, truly you'll find, you'll find that out in the interview uh, pretty quickly. You host the golf channels golf today with Eamon Lynch. Um, he'll be doing lots of interviews with some of the top players this year, whether it's uh, major venues and things like that. Also, father of triplets. So, he'll talk about that a little bit. But, one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. I mean, I hope you enjoy it because he's a, uh, you could tell he just loves golf. Highly educated man. He went to many, many high universities, uses extreme vocabulary that I don't use very often. So, it was just really fun to talk to him and, uh, and just kind of hear his story because he's got a pretty good one. So, um, enjoy. Ray Katie podcast listeners you are in for a real treat as we have a very recognizable voice joining us today. You may have heard him interview some of your favorite people in golf or perhaps you've had some morning coffee listening to his magnetic personality and fresh off being on the air working for the golf channel and now joining us I want to welcome Mr. Damon hack how are you Damon
0: Jeff I'm great how are you buddy.
2: I'm doing a great time, and I just it's just like we were we we're talking. It's like I, I just got a chance to see you on TV and now I see you on my screen. And it's like uh it's just it's a it's a it's a real uh, pleasure to have you, you with us today.
0: Well, I appreciate it and you being a big fan and participant in the game. So glad we could catch up.
2: Well, speaking of golf channel, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, um or maybe misinform, but did NBC recently lose one of your longtime sidekicks, Shane Bacon?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, we had a nice run for a, a little over a year, and uh, he's on to doing some different things, uh, maybe doing some podcasts and, and, and different things in the golf space. So so stay tuned uh, for what's next uh, for him. But I'm with uh, Eamon Lynch now for this year on, on Golf Today, and a lot of uh, meaty topics we'll be tackling. No shortage of news these days uh, in the golf space, that's for sure.
2: Absolutely. Well, speaking of co-hosts, I can imagine that chemistry plays a big part of that. It looks like you're with Eamon now. Um is that something that you have to have before you go on on air? Is that something that like TV producers let you figure it out on the fly and just kind of you know go to the you know see to your pants?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I've known Eamon for a long time. We both uh, have been sports riders and golf riders. And before I worked at golf channel, I knew him more as, as one of the my colleagues in, in the writing space covering golf tournaments. So we'd already had a relationship prior and uh, he'd been like a I guess a part-time fill-in occasional guest. If I was on the road, um, or or previously, if Shane was on the road, or if Anna was on the road, and and he just brings such a a depth of reporting knowledge and, and remarkable contacts inside and outside the game that he adds kind of a different voice to to what we do. A lot of breaking news, a lot of especially in this era of fractured professional golf, Eamon just lends such a a, a learned. Uh, erudite voice uh, in this complicated time. And I think our, our chemistry kind of, it kind of grows organically. The more reps you have together, the more you can read each other's cues. And I think that's important for the viewer too. They want to feel like they're having a, a cup of coffee uh, uh, with you. You know, You're they're sitting in on a conversation or having a glass of, of lemonade or or a beer after the round. They want to feel like they're kind of a part of uh, you know eavesdropping, but also a part of, of our our laughter or occasionally a part of our our serious conversations as well.
2: Absolutely. And you can't you can't leave out the fact that he's got any lead accent. That's that helps. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no question about it. He has one of the all-time top five accents and it's why people always return his phone call just so they can hear his accent you know
2: 100 percent. well what's some of the best advice you've received when it comes to working in the media i mean i i've I've kind of done some interviews like this but you do it for a living so i'd be really curious to hear like some things that people that maybe have done this for a long time have told you
0: yeah there's probably a couple of kind of standby um you know ideas um, lessons that you've been told, or, or I've been told for, for years now. Number one, I'd say most important is to be yourself. I think it's neat that uh, there are a lot of people that have come before me, and I'm a fan of watching Jim Nance or Mike Tirico or or whoever it might be, but you got to be your authentic self. And I think what I try to take from some of the people that have come before me is their preparation and hard work. Become an expert on the topic that you're speaking. You know, you should know that. Tiger you know, Tigers won 15 majors and 82 PGA Tour wins and maybe be able to kind of, you know, describe some of the venues where he won. You know, it was a eight-shot win at St. Andrews, a 15-shot win at Pebble, a 12-shot win at the Masters in 97. I mean, if you're talking golfs, there's just a certain ability to be able to recall facts, especially because golfers are such – um, you know they're diehard fans they, they know the the numbers and the facts they want to feel like kind of when they're watching you speak. That they're in good hands with someone who's an expert so be an expert in your field and, and most importantly, be yourself be your authentic self.
2: That's great advice well golf wasn't something you're always into, especially I think growing up um, majoring history at UCLA how in the world did you end up in TV and more specifically the golf space.
0: Yeah, I was always a sports fan, didn't play golf growing up. I was a, a kid from Los Angeles in the 1980s. So, a lot of Lakers basketball, Raiders football, Dodgers baseball, UCLA Bruins, those were my favorite teams to root for. And I was mostly just a football and basketball fan. And I played basketball and tennis growing up. It wasn't until I went to graduate school um, at UC Berkeley where I started to to play golf. I met some guys that would take Fridays off and they actually set their schedule to have no classes on Fridays. They could go play golf, which I I thought was brilliant. I eventually got on that train as well. And uh, I just started to fall in love with the game at the same time that Tiger Woods was kind of coming onto the scene. So I graduated Cal would have been 96. And that was the year Tiger won his third straight US amateur. So it was like perfect timing. Here was this kid who looked a little bit like me, looked different, um, was making the game more accessible, um, cool, younger. And and I was falling in love with the challenge of the game. It was this perfect storm. I always wanted to be involved in sports, first playing. and I dreamed about playing for the Lakers when that didn't work out. I wanted to make sure I hit the books and, and focused on journalism, and I wanted to be connected to the game. So it became a love of sports that kind of morphed into a a love of wanting to talk about it and become an expert. First as a sports writer at the Sacramento Bee, I covered the 49ers. Then I moved to New York to cover the Knicks for Newsday and ultimately got to cover golf uh, and football for the New York Times and Sports Illustrated before Golf Channel came calling, gosh, uh, almost 11 years ago now. So it's been a a rocket ship ride, very fast in a lot of ways, Um, but it's been a lot of fun to be able to to cover sports and talk about sports. I'm a dad of, of triplet boys who, who love sports. So there's no uh, shortage of topics uh, of conversation around the house.
2: That's awesome. Well, that's, that's impressive. So you have covered a lot of, right. So like, what was your favorite event to cover? I mean, you've, you've covered, it sounds like a lot a gamut of, of sport. What would be your favorite um, event that you've covered?
0: I have to go with the Olympics, believe it or not. It's like this kind of combination of so many different types of sports and so many different types of stories, people from all over the globe, various skill sets and, and these backgrounds of these, of these athletes who have spent years and years trying to perfect their craft. And, you know, it's a half-second difference or even less from them being, A, in the Olympics at all or at or home watching, or, and then from there, you know, a quarter-second being on an Olympic podium or, or just off the podium. And I just think it's this interesting brew of geopolitics and athletic brilliance. And I, I've been surprised how much I enjoy it. I was in Athens in 2004, uh, Pyeongchang in 2018 in, in the uh, cold mountains of South Korea covering the winter Olympics biathlon. And then I worked in New York City during COVID uh, during the Tokyo Olympics as well. So I just, I find the stories compelling and the athletes. Um, I, I love basketball and I love the NFL covering the masters is always a, a pinch me moment. Being at the open 150th at St. Andrews was incredible, but whenever the Olympics roll around, I, I always hope that my, uh, my uh, ticket gets tabbed, my number gets tapped and I get to go uh, cover the Olympic games.
2: Well, you sold me on that, man. That, that was a <laughs> while. Well you sold me. I'm watching the next
0: Olympics for sure.
2: <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on the, on the Bruins moving to the big 10? They're kind of coming to our country. We're Midwest style. On I, love, that.
0: I love the Midwest. I, I will say like, the, uh, because I went to UCLA and, and was like a pack 10 guy. First, my dad was a pack eight guy before me and oh, nice. then came to pack 12. I'll miss some of those kind of natural rivals. I and mean, I guess we'll go with USC. That's our biggest rival, but always playing Stanford and Cal has been a, a fun part of being a UCLA fan, a West coast fan. But I do think, In this era where football and basketball are so big and visibility and recruiting and television contracts are such a part of of these major, major sports, it it can only increase the profile of our athletic programs to compete uh, where sports and football and basketball are a way of life. I've spent time in. Gosh, Wisconsin! I've been to Chicago and Indiana. I've had my Grader's ice cream, you know, in Cincy. I mean, it, you're talking some real sports towns and passionate sports people. And as much as people like sports in L.A., there's always something else to do. There's the beach and the skiing, you know, in Lake Arrowhead. And I just think that it will only expose our athletes to uh, a greater audience where the passion for sports might even be bigger than it is in California. All
2: right, well, you know, I'm going to ask you this question. It's kind of a hypothetical, but what, what do you think is more nerve-wracking when you see that red light turn on, knowing it's go time, or maybe standing over a five-footer to break 80? What do you think is
0: the... Honestly, I think it'd be the five-footer at this point. <laughs> and, and that's not to say I don't get nervous. I, I, there's always, like, a little bit of excitement when the red light comes on it used to be like outright fear and terror. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's more like, okay, it's go time. I'm excited. I'm a little nervous. You know, how am I feeling today? The, the viewer at home wants to know that you're like excited to be there. They, they don't care if you had a bad night's sleep. They want to be entertained. They want to be inter- informed. And I'm, I'm an optimist by nature. So I would honestly say like 99 times out of 100, I'm, I'm in a good mood sitting at that desk. But uh, I'm never without a little bit of trepidation, excitement, nervousness. But the the golf course is, is a place where I'm not as comfortable. I've shot 82, 41, 41, a birdie on each side. I, I ended up doubling the last. The birdie would have would have broken Eighty and and I just absolutely choked. There's just no other way. <laughs> but, it, but it was <laughs> nice to there. have that opportunity, and I hope that the next time I'm I'm uh, standing over a tee shot on 18 and ultimately a putt on on, on the 18th greens, I'll, I'll be uh, better prepared. Uh, yeah. Have my breathing exercises, uh, you know, ready to go.
2: Well, and kind of going off what you said there, I was talking to my wife last night because we were talking about. You know, as you get older, you lose these opportunities to get that, some of that, um, that butterfly, that nervousness. You kind of lose yeah. some of that because you don't compete as much anymore. You know, you stop playing basketball competitively, you stop playing this or that. You know, golf is one area that you can continue to compete until you're, to your, you know, however long you want to be. And then as well as, you know, your job is kind of another one of those feelings where you gotta get that rush. Mm. Um, so it's kind of nice that that you get to experience that uh, in multiple ways. So thanks for sharing that. I got to talk about your current golf game though. So we're going to kind of go right off of that. Um, where are you at with it? You kind of talked about, you You haven't quite broke 80 yet, but you, I think I'm, I'm. from what I read, you've improved quite a bit from when you started. Where are you at with your game? How often do you get to play? I know you talked about, you have triplets. I mean, that's got to be really difficult, but maybe that's one way you can uh, get on the course more if they're interested in it. Um, how's that all play out for you?
0: Yeah, you know, I I never, like most people, you never get to play as much as you want. I I don't play as much as I I used to pre-kids. My boys are more active athletes. They love basketball, tennis, flag uh, football. For example, one of my boys will be playing lacrosse this spring and golf they kind of get interested in golf in the springtime, especially during the major championships. So that's when they want to go chip and putt, which is cool, but it just, it honestly, it's down the list of their favorite sports. I usually get to bring my clubs from time to time when I go on a road trip, if I'm covering a tournament, maybe I'll have an afternoon off when I can sneak away and play. Um, I still love the game. I I swing in the garage during winter time, like so many people do in the Midwest and in the Northeast. Um, I still believe that I've got some great rounds ahead and, like this past year, I got to play in the Pure Insurance Championship out at Pebble with the First Tee Kids, and I played very well. I listened to this podcast called The Par Train, and it's all about the mental game and, um, and, and kind of similar to what you talk about, like like breaking 80 and, and kind of getting out of your own way and, and the different levels of, of success that you can have. And, and I just kind of focused more on the target and not worrying about my golf swing. Usually when I'm out there playing, it's always been, okay, how's my arm? Is it straight yeah. and my weight shift? Let me feel the inside of my right leg. And I and I had no thoughts out there at Pebble Beach. It was all about, okay, there's that tree. Let's hit it toward that tree. Well, there's that cloud. Okay, there's that little uh, leaf in the distance. That's It's aim small and, and, and miss small. And I just, I kept it very simple. And I, my golf swing, I hadn't had a lesson before then but I felt more comfortable. It, it, it bled through my whole game. I, uh, my short game, my putting, my ball striking, everything just felt much more natural. I forgave myself more, um, and listen, you're playing, you know, it, your, your score, it's basically your best ball with your partner. So it's not true stroke play. Uh, some holes you're picking up some holes. They're leaning on you to make the birdie, uh, or the par. So, um, I played very well for me, probably shot high eighties, uh, low nineties when I'm playing well, that's where I live. When I'm not playing that much, it can get, it can get ugly very, very fast, but I'm not, a, a, I'm not like embarrassed if. If I turn in a 92 or a 91, um, I didn't grow up playing the game. I'm at Golf Channel because I'm a reporter, not because I'm a player. We have plenty of of ex PGA Tour and LPGA Tour players for that. For sure,
2: man. You and you are you are truly an optimist. I just love hearing you talk about. Like you, you make me yeah. You make me feel better about myself just listening to you talk. You're very opt. I like that. Uh, so you've played a lot, you've played some golf. Let's talk about some of your favorite courses. What are some places that you've played and like, oh man, that was fun or that was a, that was different for me. Or that was a, that was a, I, I didn't expect that. Or what was some of the, uh, the courses that you played that you really enjoyed?
0: Yeah. I tell you, I'm a glutton for punishment. Bethpage Black is a public course in New York. Uh, they had the U.S. Open and a PGA championship there. Um, I, I think it's, it's an incredibly well-maintained municipal course that if for some reason one day it became private, you'd be like, well, it's, it's so good. It's so well-maintained. It, it could be a private course. So I'd say Beth Page Black is one of my favorites. I got to play National Golf Links of America, which is a private course out on the east end of Long Island. And it's one of those CB, you know, McDonald, Seth Rayner throwback inspiration from Scotland golf courses. And it's it's so fun, wide corridors you know, accept shots as opposed to repelling shots. Uh, one of my favorite walks in all of golf. And I've gotten to play in, in the Midwest. I've, I've played Hazeltine, which, is, yep, there you which go. is really, really cool. Closer to you guys, which yep. is just such a, such a blast, hard, you know, meaty Midwestern course where if you're in the rough, uh, you can spend a half hour, but, but, in the fall, with those leaves changing, and I got to play it one year out of the Ryder Cup. So, it would have been the fall of, of 2015. And it was a spectacular day. It was a postcard pretty day. So, Hazel Team would be probably in my top 10 as well. And Oakmont in in, uh, in uh, Pittsburgh, a uh, longtime host of US Opens. And then, as a California kid, I'm very partial to, to Pebble Beach and Spyglass and Cypress. I've been able to make those walks. So, as you can tell, uh, very fortunate to have played a lot of cool places in this game, and there's no shortage of of just wonderful places to walk in this country.
2: That's great. Uh, you know that national Golf links is the one that you were talking about. like that place looks unbelievable. I mean, when you brought that up that that that's definitely a uh, a bucket list that many people probably won't get a chance to cross off.
0: So, yeah, it's uh, the, the few times I've been on property there, I keep waiting for them to say, like, what are you doing here? And, you, you know, <laughs> right. your, your, uh, your invitation is a mistake. But it, uh, it, it truly does live up to its, uh, to its origins and history of a place that a lot of the architects that have you know, put golf courses on the country ha- have followed that one. And that one, of course, got a lot of its inspiration from the United Kingdom.
2: Do you want do you still write or are we just kind of strictly TV now? I I forgot to ask that. Is that something that you're still doing?
0: It it is. In fact, uh, I've got a piece coming out in the master's journal uh, for 2023. I did a a story on Amen Corner on uh, holes 11, 12, and 13 that the club was kind enough to ask me to write. I also have a piece coming up uh, in the USGA's golf uh, journal uh, about kind of how I grew up and and came to golf, kind of like our conversation at the top of the show. So I do still enjoy writing. I don't write nearly as much because most of my focus is on the TV, but I'm also going to be doing interviews Um, during the broadcast this year on NBC for the U.S. Open and the Players' Championship and Arnold Palmer Invitational and a few others. I love interviewing the the players. Probably my favorite thing to do now is just to go out in tournaments and talk to them about their their dreams and struggles and and, and how they go about uh, navigating their way around uh, golf uh, courses and tournaments. But I I do still enjoy writing and and love reading and still think it's uh, kind of the – the heart and the hub of, of how I got in, in interested in, in journalism in the first place.
2: What, uh, what, what is like been one of your most memorable interviews or somebody that's like, Oh, that, that was a really joy or this guy's personality is wild. This is exciting or whatever.
0: Yeah. It's, it's always a thrill to, to sit down with tiger. I, I got to go to his uh, tiger junior invitational out at pebble beach at the end of 2022. I, you know, even though you, you, you may talk to him and I've talked to him a lot through the 20 years I've been uh, covering golf it's just amazing how hard he works and the things he's gone through and still putting his body through the paces to try to be as, as good as he can be. And to talk to him about Kobe Bryant and some of the things Kobe Bryant told him about, you know, what are you willing to, to sacrifice, to be great, you know, whether it's uh, you know, are you going to work out that extra time or wake up early to do this? And and those things inspire me and, and allow me to tell stories to, to my kids about hard work in the classroom or or out on the playground and also been able to interview um, the late Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas. Um, I've been to Jack Nicholas's house uh, one time to actually interview Barbara his wife was the uh, subject of a piece I did for Sports Illustrated and I hadn't arranged time to speak to Jack but um, I was sitting around the, the kitchen table with Barbara and and Jack knowing that I would have Obviously want to talk to him too for this, interview. <laughs> yes. you know, walked up and, and listened to our chat and, and offered a few quotes and answered some of my questions. And then he kind of, uh, sidled out the, the side door with a couple of buddies uh, with tennis rackets in their hands. And Barbara told me we call this golden bear day camp. Because Jack loves uh, <laughs> tennis as much as, as golf. So just moments like that stay with me to this day. And I feel like very fortunate I've been able to talk to some of the greats to ever do it.
2: That's, that's fantastic. Well, before we get you going here, I'd, I'd like to get some of your tw- uh, 2023 golf predictions. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's start with uh, somebody that you think will be a first-time PGA Tour winner this season.
0: Well, that's a good one. A first-time PGA Tour winner. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Akshay Batia, who's playing on the Corn Ferry Tour right now. Uh, he's a young man who had a fantastic amateur career. Uh, I think he's going to Monday qualify a couple of times, get into some PJ Tour events. He's been on a lot of leaderboards. In fact, one on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. He's someone that wouldn't surprise me if somehow. Late in the year, um, it finds his way to the PJ Tour and, and gets a W. Uh, and if not him, I'll go with Sahith Tagala, who, who just won the QBE shootout with Tom Hoagie, who has some uh, some Midwestern ties. Mm-hmm. Also went to TCU. Um, Sahith came very close uh, during the uh, Travelers Championship last year, had some trouble on the 72nd hole, but finds himself in contention quite a bit. So so I'll say if Akshay can somehow get that promotion uh, to the PGA Tour, he's got a lot of game from what people talk about. And then Sahif has already had a season on the PGA Tour under his belt. Uh, he's probably uh, a little bit closer than Akshay.
2: Yeah, and the uh, the PGA Tour has lost two other big-time uh, lefty faces, right? Uh, Baba and Phil so they kind of need that that void to be filled and I'm a fellow lefty so I need somebody to kind of cheer there you for. So I like that prediction um so who is somebody that you think has uh will win a major this year that has never won one Be their first major win
0: I'll go with um I'll go with Will Zalatoris, uh, who's been knocking on the door of majors already finally got his first PGA Tour win in Memphis in 2022 had been criticized about uh, his putting. He's improved his putting. He's worked on his putting. He knows it's been a bit of a, of a, of a hindrance for him, and he's trying to turn it into a strength. His coach told me, uh, Josh Gregory, some of the putts he's made in big-time moments at the match play in Memphis, they call those memory bankers, just, just moments that he can build on. And he was in contention uh, at the U.S. Open, has been in contention at the Masters, lost in the playoff to uh, Justin Thomas at the PGA at Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So he had a back injury at the end of last season. It's the only thing that gives me pause, but he's back on tour, uh, competed in Hawaii. He's just got this great attitude, swagger. It's like he's been around – uh the PJ tour for 10 years he he walks as if he's already got like five majors on his mantle at home so i'm gonna go with Will Zalatoris.
2: yeah that's a great pick and he's been close i mean he's been right yeah. there. so good pick um all right i want to just switch a little bit of gears give me a name or two on the lpga i actually saw i actually heard you on the show today you predicted that nelly quarter is going to be uh, the player of the year but give me a couple names on the lpga that you think are gonna have a great season
0: yeah, I'll say Nelly because she's coming off such a, a challenging one in 2022, lost three months to a blood clot. She's already been number one, won a major, won an Olympic gold medal, part of this remarkable athletic family with older sister, Jessica, younger brother, Sebi Corda, who's competing in the Australian Open tennis. And of course, their father won uh, the Australian Open in tennis, Peter Corda, mom was a fantastic tennis player as well. Well, so as Eamon said on the show, I'm not going on a limb predicting a, a strong <laughs> season for Nellie Corda. Watch Ataya titicun She was the rookie of the year last year, and she just it, it is one of those supercomputers like Tom Kim on the PJ Tour, who, who shows up, adapts to different golf courses so quickly, uh, and was in the running for player of the year last year. Ataya titicun not quite the amateur resume of lydia co but has done some things that remind a lot of us just in terms of being successful as a teenager winning on professional tours as a teenager uh I, i'll say nelly quarter and a tie are the the two players on the LPGA that i'm definitely keeping my eye on
2: all right well i got two more for you one is just who's going to put on the green jack and the other one is what do we expect on a tiger this year
0: love them both um I'm going with Rory. I was asked my bold prediction that. for 2023. I'm, I'm just picking chalk right now. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, taking any risks, but you know what? Listen, this is Rory's ninth attempt at the career grand slam. Uh, he came off that runner up finish uh, and, and just seemed to have a much uh, better year last year. He hold that bunker shot on the 72nd, ended up losing of course to Scotty Scheffler, but He just seems to be in a great place, inspired by being a PGA Tour member. He's been outspoken about how he views professional golf in this era. And I just think that Rory has such talent, such game, life in a good place. He's so happy, a father, a husband, interests outside of golf. I've said on the air, he doesn't need a green jacket. I mean, he he would like to have it and, and he wants it, but he doesn't have to have it. His life won't be defined by it. I think because he doesn't need it, He's going to get it, That's not to awesome. mention that the putts are falling. So Rory's my green jacket. And for Tiger, you know, he had this setback with plantar fasciitis, not able to play uh, in his Hero World Challenge, did play at the PNC with his son, Charlie, which is now his fifth major, uh, <laughs> exactly. getting alongside his boy. That but i tell you done. what, his son gives him inf- in, in, it's inspiration for him. Yeah, true. It's important for him to yeah. compete with his son and to be that mentor that his dad was for him. If he can get past this bout of plantar fasciitis, the golf swing looks fantastic. When I talked to him, he was in a great mood. Uh, he has not missed chest day and arm day. The dad, <laughs> I shook his hand. He's just It's just granted. Uh, he is an athlete. He's been counted out 100 times and gotten off the mat every time. No one saw him winning that 2019 Masters tournament. I, I just think that we have not heard the last of Tiger Woods. Uh, somehow, some way, I think, will go out on his own terms, maybe not as healthy as he would have liked to have been, but if he can somehow get just a little more strength and have some good fortune with that foot, he knows that his game can still stand up to anybody. It's not about whether he can swing the club and play the game. It's can he walk for 72 holes and not just somehow have a setback with that injury.
2: I think you just gave some of our, goose, uh, our, our listeners some goosebumps there. with <laughs> I love it. Cause you know, we're all tiger guys. Like you kind of in the same watching him growing up. Well, lastly, where can we specifically catch you um, and, and listen to you and get a chance to see you um, on TV times and in places? And where can we find, find more of you?
0: Yeah, I appreciate it, Jeff. Typically I'm on uh, noon to 2 PM Eastern time on golf today. Golf channel also will be, on-site at some tournaments, uh, U.S. Open Players Championship on NBC and Arnold Palmer Invitational as well. Also going to do the match play down in Austin, Texas. Haven't been there. Um, So I'm looking forward to going to there uh, for the first time. And also on social media, I'm just at Damon Hack, GC. You'll see pictures of... uh, me playing a little golf, picture of me with me with my boys. I also enjoy a little a red wine from time to time. So you might see a couple pictures like that. But yeah, very excited about the, the year 2023 and thankful for the role that I have at Golf Channel. All
2: right. Well, Damon, we're going to thank you so much for extending your work day to, to spend some time with us. Huge fan of yours as well as the Golf Channel. Love getting to know you more than just what we uh, get to see on TV and look forward to watching you cover golf this year, as you always have, as one of the very uh, best in the business. So thanks for joining us. Much appreciated.
0: I appreciate you, Jeff. Thanks for having me on the show. Maybe today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps some fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80s. The gold wage. You hit
2: it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game
1: cravings. little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break
0: 80. Break 80. Yeah. this shot. That was amazing. Break
3: Katie. This guy's break Katie. Break 80